Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you, even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. Picking up with Caligra Sheets in this episode, we left off, of course, with Caligra Words, words and Caligra Convert in the previous episode. This one is the spreadsheet episode, or well, the spreadsheet segment. Gonna try to pick up the speed here because I want to get through Caligra in this episode. I don't want it to span like three and four episodes. So anyway, Caligra Sheets, it is, um, when you open it, it's a spreadsheet couple of things that are different from the one that I'm used to. I don't have a whole lot of experience with spreadsheets. The one that I'm used to, of course, well, not of course, but is LibreOffice, and it is, when you open it, whether you have Breeze Light or Breeze Dark, as we discussed in the previous episode, uh, no matter which theme you have applied to your system, and I have the dark theme, uh, LibreOffice uh, Calc is, it's a white background, like a sheet of paper almost, I think is probably what they were going for. In Caligra Sheets, it is transparent. There's no, or, or you know, there is no background. All of the cells are completely empty. There's an alpha channel, I guess you could say. So if you have a dark theme turned on your computer, then Caligra Sheets comes up as a dark theme, including your workspace. So that was a little bit different than what you would expect to see in, well, certainly LibreOffice Calc, but also in c- comparing it to Caligra Words, where, again, words, you open that up and the workspace is a big white sheet of paper, probably, again, to emulate the idea that you're looking at paper, something you're going to probably print to paper. So it's a little bit different, took some getting used to. As I say, I don't use spreadsheets all that often, so I didn't. I don't have that much of a use case for Caligra sheets in my own life. However, I did create a spreadsheet, a couple of spreadsheets, for some rather complex uh, role-playing stuff, some desktop, uh, not desktop, what do you call it, tabletop role-playing games, like Dungeons & Dragons. So uh, previous editions of Dungeons & Dragons, or even current ones, but I think this was more found in the previous versions, there there could be quite a lot of math. And a lot of the math is very simple. You roll a die, and you add a value to what you rolled. Other, Other bits of math sometimes are not as simple. So, for instance, in a previous edition of Dungeons & Dragons, which was then forked, because it uses the open game license, so it could be forked. It was forked into a thing called Pathfinder. There's a there's a, a list of skills that your imaginary character might have, and if you have a, a specific bonus in that skill, then you get extra points in that skill to reflect that you are very skillful at that activity. And so you might, for instance, have your ability score contributing to the skill. You might also dedicate more more resources to that skill. Like, let's say you dedicate one resource to that skill. You might think that that, that would give you a total of two, yeah? Well, there are, in, in this particular edition of Dungeons & Dragons, there was a thing where it could be tagged as a skill that you're just naturally sort of prone to being very good at. It's a class skill, so you you just get extra bonus 
points in it just because you because it's just native to your training. So to reflect that, I have a spreadsheet where you can, as part of my spreadsheet, you can enter an X into a column to sort of put it, you know, X to, to tick it, to, to activate that skill, and then 1 plus 1 equals 5, which seems wrong, but in fact it's correct. And so that kind of calculation in a spreadsheet where 1 and 1 ought to equal 2 unless this cell has a value in it, an X value. If it has a value, or rather, if it's not empty was the exact formula. If it's not empty, then add some other number and and continue. You can do that in your head at the table on sheet, no, on pen and paper. That's why they're, they're called oftentimes pencil and paper RPGs or, or pen and paper RPGs. So you, you could do that at the table, but you could also do it on a computer uh, and and have the computer figure out the, the extra math for you. So I, I did design a, a character sheet for... I, I've designed several character sheets for several different games as spreadsheets. That's really about the only time I use a, a spreadsheet personally. And so I figured, since I, I know that those are working, why don't I just load one of those up into Caligra Sheets and see and see what breaks? Well, nothing broke. That's the good news. Um, it, it did look a little bit weird because, like I say, the background is different in Caligra Sheets. There is no background. In LibreOffice, which is where this was created, the background naturally f- defaults to white. What's really happening is that you're seeing through the spreadsheet at the white background of LibreOffice. Whereas here in Caligra, Caligra Sheets, you are seeing through the spreadsheet to whatever theme you have applied to your KDE Plasma desktop. And in this case, it's a dark dark theme, so I'm seeing a bunch of dark charcoal gray in the background of many of my... Any cell that I did not specifically tell the spreadsheet to to fill in with a color, I'm seeing just dark gray, which is a little bit awkward. That That doesn't exactly work all that well for me. But, I mean, that would be an easy fix. I would select it, and then I might scan quickly the formatting panel here on the left, and I would determine pretty quickly, I think, that there's no category, for whatever reason, for cell formatting over here. There's number formatting, uh, and there's alignment, and borders, and font, but nothing nothing about color here. Quick, quick glance through the tabs, not there. So... Not sure why that wouldn't be there, but let's let's just assume that that's a decision that was made consciously. So I'll go up to the toolbar instead and click... Well, did I select these things, or did I just say I was going to select them? I think I just said I was going to select them. So I'll select this row, of, or this column, rather, of, of cells. There we go. And then go up to f- the toolbar and click Format. Set the cell formatting. So... Here's a tab called background, and the I think the layout of this admittedly is a little bit inverted than what I would have done. Top is pattern, and you have a couple of different patterns, including what looks to me like something that's empty, and then what looks to me, well, what is a black solid fill. Well, what that's really saying is that that's your solid fill pattern, and the way to control the color of that solid is what's next, which is color. So I'll click on that, and I'll set that to white, because that's what I'm really after. And that changes all the patterns to being uh, sort of focused around white. So you have white stripes, and white dots, and white grids, and white white solid fill, and then again, a nothing box. There's also, confusingly, or I find it confusing, a background color, which right now seems to default to possibly what's nothing, or possibly gray, I'm not sure. 
I'll click on it. I'll set that to white as well. It's actually, I don't think that's necessary. Or I can say no color. Yeah, I don't think that's actually necessary uh, because the color of the cell will still be white. So I'll say OK to that, and uh, sure enough, that, that changed the whole column that I had selected to having a white background. And that looks a lot better to me. And I could do that for all the cells that I had that I had um, left unfilled. And y you might think, well, why don't you just do it for the whole thing? And one could, except that I do have certain ones that were filled with color to kind of highlight the, the total rows or the total columns. So I wouldn't want to overwrite the colors that do exist. I think I'd rather fill in the ones that, that, that are otherwise empty. So more or less, it's exactly what you would expect from a spreadsheet. I quite like the, as always, I love the idea that the cute widgets are movable and malleable and resizable. It, it's always bugged me that in most spreadsheets, the formula bar is just right there up at the top, and it's just one one line tall, and it, it just, to me, it just always is painful to work in. And the cell editor in Caligra is, is actually quite large by default it's about three lines tall. Now I don't exactly know why because I don't think that spreadsheet formulas can sort of deviate from their... I don't believe that they can contain new line characters essentially, which to me boggles the mind. I don't know why anyone would want to work like that, but um, that's, as far as I know, that's the case. So I don't know why it's three lines tall, but it, it is kind of refreshing that it is... that it gives you a little bit of space to... to not to work in, but but just to look at it and just kind of you can look at it and you can see that it is, you, you can see what you're trying to focus on rather than just having one line and you're kind of struggling to keep your focus on that one line. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but that's, um, it's quite refreshing. And of course, by default, that's across the top as you would expect, but it's, it's a cute widget set. So you can just grab onto it and drag it wherever you want. And it's just great. You'd have it at the bottom of the window. You'd have it on the side with the rest of your, uh, palettes, uh, your docs, whatever they're called, and it's just really nice. And you can tell that this is all driven by the, the, the exact same thing as LibreOffice. It is a .ods file, so it is the same syntax and the same, well, I don't know if it's literally the same libraries or, or some shared set of libraries. I don't know if there's like an ODS set that you can get from Document Foundation if you're a developer or how that works, but it's the same thing. So it really shouldn't be surprising that my LibreOffice calc spreadsheet works completely as expected in Caligra Sheets, because it is. It's, it's a .ods. You would hope that that file format would persist across applications. So that's quite a nice little discovery. And if you're familiar with LibreOffice, then you're familiar with Caligra Sheets, at least in the sense of your the, the stuff that really matters to a spreadsheet, which are those formulas. Yeah, I think that's everything I have to say about Caligra Sheets. I love the consistency here. I love the idea that Caligra brings to the table a more or less predictable interface. Like if you open up a Caligra application after maybe the first two, you understand, I think, pretty quickly the setup. You're going to have a workspace. You're going to have some side, some panels on the side, and, and that's the setup. I mean, you'll have a menu and, a, and an obligatory toolbar, but you know, most of your work will happen in these in these side panels, and that makes it comforting. It makes it, it familiar very quickly, and I think that's such a, a strong a strong feature that I, I really really quite enjoy. Let's take another. Let's take a look at another Caligra application. Let me see what's next in the list. 
Oh, I'm, I'm all over the place, actually. Okay, well, I'm going to go... No, it's not next in the list, but let, let's just knock out the, the next obvious one, and the one that, if we're making our own list, it would make sense for it to be next. And that is Caligra Stage. So Caligra Stage is that that other important office kind of application, which is a slide deck. I have discovered, kind of recently, to be honest, that slide decks in in, like offices like in a you know sort of a, in the corporate world or whatever they're kind of they're a really popular way to distribute um related information in sort of bite-sized pieces because you can have a a, a deck of of placards with whatever relevant graphic needs to be on it and if there is no relevant graphic then you can have some some graphic that inspires familiarity or or humor or w- whatever your style is and then you can have you know the obligatory one liner like whatever it is like you know a heading and then kind of like the elevator pitch for whatever idea you're trying to convey and you can have 20 30 80 of those in a in a deck i think less is probably more but you could have you could have some number of 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 pieces of information that people can flip through and 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 get the idea. It is very much sort of the digital equivalent I have found or I have come to understand. I've I've not done this myself, but I have come to understand that people view this as the digital equivalent maybe of making a a trifold brochure and passing it around, you know, just sort of like saying, "Hey, look, you need to be familiar with with this initiative or or this new policy or or whatever take a look at this pamphlet but instead of a pamphlet it's a slide deck and people scroll through it and take notes or or commit to memory what they need to commit and and that's how it gets done so the goal i think for these slide decks by the way there's a really cool one online called deck deck go D-E-C-K-D-E-C-K-Go. And I'm referencing this because it's an open-source online slide presentation software. And if you're the type of person to need that sort of thing, you might take a look at it. Deck, Deck, Go. You can find it on github.com slash Deck, Go. D-E-C-K-G-O. Deck, Go. And the main, like, the web app is is called Deck, Deck, Go. Developed by Peter Peter Parker, apparently. Or at least that's who made the last commit. Cool. Um, okay, so anyway, back to Caligra stage. This one um, is, again, pretty similar to the others. I bet you didn't expect that. It, it's got the side panels, again, on the right by default, but um, I think they probably put it on the right because in a lot of Adobe applications, I think it's on the right, or at least they used to be. I don't know why it's bothering me now, but I just feel like it really belongs on the left. So I'm moving everything to the left because I have that ability. And remember, with Qt, uh, if you drag something onto another thing, like one panel onto another panel, then it becomes a tabbed interface. If you and, and then you can also drag it sort of out and sort of above, and it'll kind of move aside for you, and you can just drag it um, sort of into its own space. But if you do want it to be tabbed you can do that and it's it's a really cool little trick and you can build just the the nicest interfaces just by dragging panels around and that's a a cute feature is what that is it's just the cute toolkit being amazing being really really customizable 
I very rarely use presentation software. I don't think I've ever built a presentation from scratch. I've contributed to presentations, but it's not something that I usually, that I find myself needing or wanting or, or being involved with. So it's all new to me, but superficially this looks like what I would expect from a deck building application. It's got a pretty graphic in the background, and of course there are some different ones that you can choose from, or you can customize your own. And there are three tabs along the top. There's normal view, there's notes view, where you can put in notes for you as a speaker to kind of give yourself, you know, the, the index cards essentially to so if you're pre, if you're literally presenting this to people you can look at the note field and talk and they'll see the slide itself and then there's the slide sorter which lets you rearrange the slides as you build your deck pretty straightforward the normal view i think is the that's the bulk of the time that you'd be spending in it and it, it's got sort of the usual kinds of defaults like a big title up at the top this is my first slide and then a s smaller text box at the bottom um, it's important to maximize maximize synergy that's about as corporate as I can possibly think I don't really know that many buzzwords um, so there's, this is my first slide, it's important to maximize synergy, uh, that's, that's everything. Now you can click into each text box, and once again, your little side panels are your key to all the things that you might want to do, such as changing a font, such as, uh, making it italics, making it centered instead of left justified, and so on. You can add a table, you know, you have basically all the word processing capabilities here, that you would have in in Caligra words. There's also uh, different options for layout templates. So if you've got a if you've got well if if I do like um, insert slide that adds a new slide. I guess it yeah it inserts it at the it, it appends really is what it's doing. So it, it it appends a slide with the looks like looks to me like it is maybe I want to say it's maybe blank. It's a blank template, but there are other templates that you can use, which, for instance, uh, this one has a bullet list, it looks like, to me. Is that correct? No, it says, I guess what it's saying is that you can create a bullet list there. This one looks like it has a graph, and that's, oh, that is true, actually. It does actually have a graph, but I think that's just a sample. Yeah, that's not a, that's not an actual graph. It is an image of a graph, and it's telling you you could put your own image there, which is great to know. Uh, so yeah, there are different templates. I, I don't know how useful those are, to be honest, but but maybe some people would find them useful. And maybe if you're building a bunch of slides, it just maybe it is useful because maybe that's something that you would do. It's like, oh yeah, I want an image on the left. No, I want it on the right. I want it to take the full slide, you know. And that would just be a quick way to sort of get everything aligned. There's also cool animations, so you can um, make things appear on your slide with. Uh, through like a transition. There's arrangements, so once you get all of your elements on page, you can make sure that they're sort of aligned um, by center point or by left edge, right edge, that sort of thing. Same stuff as you see in, for instance, uh, Inkscape or Scribus and so on. And then there's the standard connect shapes, draw a path, and so on. And that's your, your, your standard Caligra panel layout 
with some standard Caligra panels from you know ripped right from words because they apply to to this. Uh, plus a couple of new ones like the animation one and the shape handling one uh, that that are kind of spe- more specific to to stage dockers. They are called dockers. I thought I was making that up for a moment. They are called dockers. Um, oh, and there are lots of different ones. Yeah, there's the stencil box. There's the snap settings. That's nice. And shape properties. Nice. Yeah. And then if you want to see your little presentation, you can start the slideshow from the first slide or from the current slide. And then you can see it with all your animations and things like that. You can copy slides and so on. And I think significantly also you can export it as HTML or as PDF. So if you're in the situation where you've built the thing in Caligra stage and you realize that your audience, the, the, the computer that you're going to be presenting on doesn't have Caligra stage or maybe it doesn't have the same version and you're just nervous about that, whatever, you just export it to HTML or if you want, if you need, PDF. Either way, that'll take all of those, all of the things that you just built and, and put them into a format that maybe your audience might appreciate uh, having access to. I'm feeling like it's probably time for coffee at this point. So we'll go have some coffee and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Caligra Gemini and a couple of other... Oh, Carbon. I forgot. I almost forgot Carbon. Carbon, Caligra Gemini... And all the other things in this in this package, which not not a whole lot more. So we'll definitely get through Caligra in this episode. Go get coffee. We'll come back. We'll finish it up. obtained let's talk about carbon carbon is a really kind of exciting project to me anyway it is obviously part of the caligra office suite but it is a vector drawing program and the reason that's exciting for me is because for the longest longest time the only vector drawing program open source vector drawing program that's really been out there aside from typing in xml which by the way is a very cool experience if you've ever create if you've never created svgs through just typing xml i highly recommend it it's it's very cool not not i wouldn't recommend it in the long term i'm just saying you should try it it is very fun uh, the only open source option has been inkscape and there's nothing wrong with inkscape whatsoever in fact i i'm quite passionate about inkscape love it but i also love options i love choices and the idea that carbon that there's another vector drawing application out there is quite exciting to me now bizarrely i i, I, I for whatever reason i had an open source web app for stage for, for caligra stage there's actually a really cool web app for that that you could use for vector svg as well called pinpot p-e-n-p-o-t dot app i mean it's it's it, it isn't a dedicated drawing app. That's not what it's intended for. It's supposed to, it, it is a design app. So it has a lot of drawing tools in it. It's, it's not, the, the drawing side of it isn't, that's not the focus really, but, and it is, it's, it's very specifically designed for interface design. So even, you know, the stuff that it does have, it kind of thinks that you're drawing buttons and windows and things like that. So that this isn't quite a one-for-one match like uh, Deck Deck Go and, and Caligra Stage um, are. 
But it's still something to keep an eye on, I think. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Pinpot is neat because... Nope. Caligra Carbon is neat because um, it just offers a, a different take on on something that th- that you might be doing in another application, and that's just a, a fun thing to experience. It is a vector drawing application, so it's not going to be your you know K Paint or whatever it's called uh, kind of application. It it's it, it works with with vectors, so the, these are calculations. When you draw, for instance, uh, a shape with your little pen tool, assuming there's a keyboard shortcut for that, but I don't know what it is, um, you draw from one point to another point to another point, and then join them back up, and now you've got a triangle. And and, and that's that's unique from how you might draw something in a, a standard, you know, in, in something like Krita, where you you're just freehand drawing from one place to another. The advantage to giving things nodes, as you do in Carbon or Inkscape or, or or anything with SVG, is that now the computer has to fill in the stuff between the nodes according to some formula. The simplest formula would be, I don't know, whatever the formula is for a line. I should know this after the K-algebra episode. That formula, that's what that would be using for a straight line. Now in Carbon and, and uh, any other... Well, I'll just... I'll, I'm talking about Carbon, so I'm going to just talk about Carbon. So in Carbon... There's a pin tool that draws the path, and then there's also a what do they call it? A node editor shape handling tool, uh, which which allows you to handle the shape, I guess. So I'm gonna click on my shape, click on my shape, if I can click there it is. I click on my shape, and then I could move my shape, and there are now uh, there's a bounding box around it, so I could make my shape bigger. And of course, if you know anything about vector graphics, you'll know that that shape can scale infinitely in any direction it can get well maybe not infinitely small but infinitely large there's there's actually probably an upper limit infinite is a big word it can scale a lot and the math is the same and the computer will redraw the path between your nodes that you've declared to to make it the highest possible resolution of you know of of how that line is drawn of, of that rendering. If you want to make the math a little bit more complex for yourself, or for carbon, really, then you can double-click on your shape, and now you're in an editing mode with this tool. And you can grab a path, you can grab onto it, in theory, there we go, grab onto it and kind of stretch it and bend it, just within the confines of its nodes. So those, the nodes don't move, just the path does. Now that doesn't mean you can't make the path go beyond the node by bending it and twisting it and turning it, but the path itself is in exactly one spot. So you get these kind of Bezier curve shapes going on. And again, they're all perfectly smooth and perfectly re-rendered as needed, depending on, on, on the math, and that's really cool. Now once you have a shape, you could go to your little side panel here, and this the, the primary, the big side panel in carbon is one called tool options and so if you click on the shape go over to tool options you got all kinds of things you got 
arrangement and geometry and the, the, what kind of line you want it to draw so I could change that line. Because remember, this is just being, this is being um, rendered by the computer. So it doesn't have to be a solid line. It could be a dotted line. It could be a dashed line. It could be a, dosh, a, a, a dashed and dotted line. It could be a line with an arrow at the end because it knows where that node is. So it, know, it has an awareness of the end of the line. You can adjust the thickness of the line. It can be really, really thin. It can be really, really thick. It's up to you. You also have fill options because, again, the computer is aware of the bounds of its own shape because you've defined the nodes the com and the paths between those nodes. The computer has calculated uh, the, the paths for you as defined um, by your, your, your paths, your, your lines, and, and then you can click the, the fill box, give it a color, and now I've got a big bright red triangle with bezier edges. Um, and isn't that neat? And that's how you build shape, or that's how you how you build images with SVG. You, you start essentially, or at least that's how I build images with SVG. I start with basic shapes, more or less basic shapes, and then I go in and adjust the curvature of those shapes. And then I draw another shape attached to that shape. Or sometimes I might, for instance, does Control D duplicate? No, it does not. Okay, Control C and Control V. No, it does not. Interesting. That's oh yes, it does. Okay, I was in the wrong window. Okay, so um, another thing that you might do when working with SVG are operations that affect and control how those shapes interact with one another. Inkscape has a wealth of operations that you can do. You can put two shapes on top of each other, and you can choose to exclude the areas where they intersect, or you can choose to exclude the areas where they don't intersect. You can choose to merge those shapes together so that it's all it becomes all one big path. You can choose to uh, cut, cut one uh, shape with the other shape, the, par the part that they intersect. The, the part that un is under the other shape becomes its own uh, object. Carbon doesn't have that. It has a couple of operations that you can do. So it's in the path menu, so I've just overlaid. I've copied and pasted and sort of twisted one around. So I've got overlaid paths here. I can do combine, separate, reverse, exclude, intersect, subtract, or unite. So I'm going to do intersect, and that didn't do what I thought it was going to do. To me, that was that was not... That was not an intersect operation at all. Okay, I don't know what it thinks an intersect is, but that wasn't it. Let's try it one more time really quick. Well, actually, let's try something different, because obviously it didn't it didn't like the intersection. Okay, so I'm going to select... Maybe they weren't supposed to be... No, they have to be selected. Both of them have to be selected, surely. Okay, so I'll do path... Um, exclude? No. Let's just do combine. Did that combine them? Yeah, that combined them. Okay, so that combined those two two shapes. Not in the way that I actually had expected, though. There still seems to be that did not combine those shapes. That <laughs> did not combine those paths at all. I can I can still move them independently of one another. That's not combining paths. Okay. So you see you see now from from this brief demonstration that carbon is not quite as far along as Inkscape, which I expected and I understand. It is nevertheless really exciting to have another SVG illustration application. Because once again, 
I think in the worst case, maybe you you have some simple icon that you want to generate or a simple uh, shape that you need to generate, and you just know that it would be better to do it as SVG because that would allow it to scale and so on. So you know that it's better to do it as an SVG. You just don't happen to have Inkscape on hand. Well, if you have Carbon on hand, then you can still probably do the thing that you want to do. Obviously, if it requires really, really elaborate combinations of shapes and and paths, and you're going to be modifying how different paths interact and so on, then maybe, okay, maybe Carbon isn't your go-to application. But it's very cool to see this project, that this project exists, and that it's there to, to develop and to further SVG, really, because SVG is such a great format. I mean, it really is. It's just such a cool format one of those sort of the ideal formats you know because it's it's written in plain text it's just xml and yet you can view it and edit it in these really cool applications like inkscape and carbon and pinpot or you can view them in a web browser because it's xml and so it'll just render right there in your web browser as an image so it's you can convert it into a bitmap as needed it's just such a, a great great uh image format or a great format in general I think I think it's just a really cool format so it's really nice to see something else in that space even if it I mean it's not Inkscape yet but that's okay it doesn't have to be Inkscape it can be different than Inkscape it can even be less featureful as than Inkscape but I think that I think that's that's all right it's just, it's just another option if you think I need to do something with SVG why don't I open carbon because I I believe it's going to be really quick and simple. I don't think I need to install Inkscape because maybe you're not a person to use Inkscape every day. The bad news is that apparently Carbon is currently unmaintained. So if you go to, and it, it's it's difficult to find this. I thought I'd seen it and then I couldn't find it. But you, if you go to apps.kde.org slash carbon, I don't know why there's an invent.kde.org for some applications and then apps.kde.org for others. But if you go to apps.kde.org slash carbon, K-A-R-B-O-N, there's a big red banner across the top. This app is unmaintained and no longer released by the KDE community. So I don't know when that happened. I guess after 3.2.1. And the next one I'm going to talk about is right in there with it. It's Caligra Gemini. If you go to apps.kde.org slash Caligra Gemini, you see the same red ban- banner. This app is unmaintained and no longer released by the KDE community. So I guess I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but KDE, uh, Caligra Gemini was, is this concept that uh, convertible laptops are a thing now. And convertible laptops are those laptops that you can open as a laptop, but then you can just keep bending that screen back and it becomes a touchscreen, essentially. Or, or it might be one of those take-apart types of things where you have a touchscreen tablet that you can dock into or you know sort of more or less dock to a, a keyboard so whatever whatever model you're using the idea is that people are using open source on things that don't necessarily have that, that aren't mouse driven but are instead finger driven now i had i had hoped that i would go to the repository the code repository and and find nothing but QML files because in with Qt you can um, you can express GUI the, the 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 way that the GUI presents itself in QML, which is a very cool project or a cool language I guess. Uh, you should check it out if you've never looked at it. Go to 
doc.cute.io slash cute dash five slash QML first steps dot HTML to learn more. Or just find QML stuff online. Uh, it's a very, very neat sort of JavaScripty markup language that that allows you to style cute applications pretty dynamically. And I was hoping that Jim and I would just just be QML essentially, you know, just sort of like maybe it was looking at at all the C the C++ um application internals that w- had been written anyway for words and stage but just expressed it differently through QML. That was kind of like my my best hope. And it's not that. There's a bunch of C++, a lot of headers in there. So it, it is, I guess, I, I don't want to say it's a rebuild of, of words and stage because there are so many things that are being used. You know, they didn't have to literally rebuild it. They're, they are reusing stuff. So maybe that's as close as to what I'd imagined as feasible. Um, but it, I think the most interesting aspect of Gemini for me is is the question of how... This, the code is structured, and, and how can we maximize it such that the code is structured, you know, to really separate presentation from, from I guess, the, 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 the engine. And I know that Linux tends to be very good at that in general, but it would be cool if it was even more, more separate. And I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole idea of, could we please get a system-wide standard file chooser at some point soon. I used to I used to complain about that I feel like a lot more. Um but deep down I still complain about it. It's just the fact that I have to look at a different file chooser depending on whether I'm using GIMP or Inkscape is still very painful or or LibreOffice or or a Java app of my own design. It, it's it's very it's it's painful and it would just be very cool if there were there were there was more more abstraction between sort of the thing that you want to do and the the way that that thing is expressed in front of you. Jim and I might be heading in that direction. I don't know. Um, or it could just be that they're just trying new designs and that's their goal. It is a cool project. I guess it's dead. It's really hard to say actually because the, um, the page on apps.kde.org, as I said, has the red banner across the top. But then if you go to Caligra.org, there is no indication that that it's been discontinued or that it's unmaintained. So I'm not 100% sure um, of its its actual status. And even looking at, at the Gemini uh, repository on, on the KDE GitLab instance, there, there have been things made as recently as nine months ago. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, nine months ago is... It's kind of a long time, I guess, but at the same time, it's not ages ago. So I don't know when it was declared unmaintained, and I don't know if that's still accurate or whether that banner was just left up and and someone forgot to take it down. Not really sure, but that is Gemini. If you if you take a look at it, it is at least interesting to witness how you can, for instance, switch from the desktop view to the touch screen mode, and then uh, how you can't necessarily get back. Uh, from from the from certain screens in touch screen, it's kind of awkward, but um, and and it's kind of interesting to see what what different components exist in one view versus the other. So it it is it's an interesting experiment, but I'm not sure how far how far along it is, and I don't know uh, certainly that I I don't I don't feel like it's something that you're probably going to use all the time. It it seems a little bit little bit work in progress there. 
but a very, very cool project. And it's one of those things that's, that's important to think about for important for us as a, a community for the KDE community to be thinking about, you know, just the idea that, that everything may not be driven by a mouse forever. And we need to be ready to switch real quick. I mean, arguably the switch should have been done by now. I think in a perfect world, it would have just been a, a graceful transition somehow but i mean i don't think anybody in the world was ready for that anyway so um it didn't happen and i mean it's a good thing too because i mean i don't want to switch to having to smack my monitor all the time i don't enjoy that experience at all so um let's look at the next one in 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 the list now actually going in order because we're at the tail end there is oh no it's not in order but anyway Caligra Gemini Thumbnail Helper. I don't know what this is. If you do Gemini, Caligra Gemini Thumbnail Helper dash dash help, gives you a little bit of a help message. It doesn't say what it's for. It says Caligra Gemini is writing and presenting at home and on the go. It says that you can provide it a dash dash in local URL and a dash dash out for a local URL. You can adjust the width and the height. So I'm, I'm feeling like this is a an application to grab an image from from maybe well a a local URL so f- from some location and to shrink that image down so that it fits into some other space into local URL dash dash out local URL so i don't know what exactly it's for i i kind of get the feeling though that it's it's being used by something in the Gemini interface to to quickly, you know, sort of call out for a thumbnail to be created or something like that. So that's a command, and it does exist. CS Tester is a Caligra command, which, again, doesn't actually tell you what it is. So I don't know if this is meant for me as a user. Probably not. CS Tester... Uh, let's do a test on the, what was it, example.odt that I created uh, last time. It says that uh, this is one of the options, create, round trip, or verify needs to be specified. Okay, so that needs to be a dash dash round trip. Let's just do a verify. says that there's an example of cre- uh, an error, rather, creating this document. Could not find the component to verify something. No, I think it thinks that verify is the document that I want to create. Unfortunately, CS Tester is not sharing with me what it needs, it, what, what it's meant to do. It doesn't tell me what, what it's supposed to do. I guess I could just, just to make sure... No, there's no man page. Okay. So, never mind about CS Tester. Don't know what it does. CST Runner. So maybe CS Tester is actually CST Ester. E-S-T-E-R? Is that a word? I don't think so. Uh, CST Runner dash dash help tells me that it um, it could use a doc dir from me, the directory where the test documents are, and a result dir. That's where the results should be saved, uh, but it will be created if it doesn't exist. And then concurrent processes. You can control how many concurrent processes there are. And you can add no pickup in which all results will be regenerated. The default is to continue the result generation. So I don't know what this is referring to. There's not really any way for me to know because it doesn't tell me. And I could arbitrarily run it on on a thing. So I could I could make a directory called demo. I could move example.odt into demo. Oops. Example.odt into demo. 
and then I could run CST runner on demo as my doctor. Now I need a result dir, so I'll just do demo dash result. Uh, let's do underscore just in case. Results. And that does not... Oh, I'm, I, I guess the concurrent processes are... It's, I guess it's required. Yes, it, it is required. So I'll just do two for concurrent processes. Uh, it says it's creating the result directory, demo underscore result, documents to process is one, and then it, it's running. And I don't know what it's doing, but it is, it's, it is definitely running, or at least it's occupying my prompt, so let's put it that way. Okay, admittedly, after many minutes of it occupying my prompt, I did have to stop, and uh, unfortunately nothing has been delivered to my demo results uh, folder, so I don't exactly know what it was doing, actually. But I'm, I'm guessing that both CS Tester and CST Runner are meant for developers. There's almost certainly a couple of developers out there, well, at least one or two, who wrote the commands, I would think. Probably a, a whole group of developers to whom that, those tools are very, very useful. It's not for me, though. I mean, ob obviously it's not for me. I don't know what it does. Uh, and it's, it may or may not be for you, dear listener. If you know what they are for, though, feel free to give shoot me an email and uh, let me know. All right, last, and I, don't, I hesitate to say not least because I don't know what this one does either. So visual image compare. To me, in, in with my background, I thought for sure visual image compare would be a really cool little application that would show you two images and give you data on the how you know similar they were, like maybe in color temperature or in in composition or both of those things. I don't think it's any of those things. So the syntax for visual image compare dash dash help is uh, visual image compare path one path two file page number PDF folder. Now page number and PDF dash dash PDF PDF folder are optional. So that says to me that I should be able to get something maybe with path one, path two, and file. Uh, of course, obviously, I don't know what is being asked, so I don't really know. But I tried uh, putting a random PNG file in a folder called dir a and another PNG file called dir b because, again, I was really, really wanting this to be an Im image comparison. Uh, sort of algorithm, and then a file. So I don't know what file is supposed to be either. So I tried it with an empty file, and it errored out. So then I tried with just another image. I don't know, maybe it's a three-way comparison? I don't know. So visual image compare, dir a for the path one, dir b for path two, and then c.png for the file. Uh, it brings up a a window with two tabs, which are kind of at the top of the window, but I, I kind of wonder if what's supposed to be happening here is that the PNG is supposed to take up the full uh, screen of the window, and those are tabs f that are meant to be at the bottom of the window. They're just not, they're not being expanded down to the bottom of the window, maybe. That's kind of my guess. I can switch between the tabs, but all I get is a question mark PNG notation in the window. No no image or anything like that. So I could, I guess, do like a find here in this directory. Type f dash name quote asterisk dot png and then pipe that to parallel and do a convert the thing 
curly bracket curly bracket to a new thing curly bracket dot curly bracket jpg now i have some jp uh, jpegs in in the same paths oop i forgot the dot after that jpeg okay well in that case i guess i'll first find here type f name dot no not dot jpeg just jpeg and i will delete that okay that's gone now i'll do it again correctly there we go and now i've got some jpegs and now i'll do the image compare no that didn't that did not help at all so yeah i don't know what image compares for it, it does reference pdf so there might be something having to do with maybe images within a pdf maybe if I had to guess, I would I would kind of guess that this is some kind of maybe um, y if you're exporting something out to PDF with Caligra, maybe this is a thing that either Caligra invokes, or maybe it is a helper tool for developers or something to verify whether a PDF has changed or not since you're since it was last exported. So maybe it's looking at an image on a specific PDF page to see whether it needs to re-export those pages or something. And path one and path two maybe are input directories of files that Caligra generates while making a PDF. I'm just kind of making stuff up here. But, I mean, that's kind of what I'm... That's all I'm left with, really, because the dash dash help just doesn't give me any any context whatsoever. And if I do a man page for it, there's no man page for it. So I, I really just don't know what that command is for. And that's kind of the the um sort of the not very fun ending to the caligra uh exploration uh those those commands there at the end i probably should have tackled those first and gotten them out of the way because uh it, it feels a little bit not great to end on the note of completely baffling commands but i i once again i feel it, like those commands are probably intended for the development team or for the application itself or some process that the application is trying to run so I don't believe that they were probably meant to be user-facing. I encountered them, nevertheless, in a file list, and so I had to look at them. But, yeah, did, I do not know what they're for. Caligra itself is a, a cool project. It, it, it may not be as far along as LibreOffice or Inkscape or, or whatever other application it, it can sort of get slotted into categorically, but it's, it is nevertheless a, 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 you know, a cool project for the way that it's reinterpreting the workflow that you might do in an office suite. It's really cool that it's just, it's that one more, it's yet one more push in that direction of, of the KDE Plasma desktop truly being sort of the, the, the very complete experience. It's, it's got everything that you would need as a desktop, and that's, that's a very satisfying feeling. As I said in the, I think the previous episode, it was kind of cool to run Slackware 15 for a week. I mean, I'm still running it, but uh, I'm doing a lot of experimentation on Slackware 15 right now, so it's it's kind of all over the place. But it was cool for that first week to just kind of run Slackware 15 and just n n not install anything else. I was too busy doing Slack build stuff. I mean, I'm still build, busy doing Slack build uh, updates, but I didn't have time to install other stuff, and yet I felt quite... I, I f felt like I had a lot of stuff. Now, granted, some of that stuff was provided by Slackware as well. It wasn't all KDE stuff, but a good chunk of it was. I mean, even Firefox I didn't install because I had Falcon or... Falcon, whatever it's called, and and that's that's a really crazy feeling to just get the thing and and not do your 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 standard set of installs. That's a really surprising feeling, 
And I think Caligra can be that that office suite in in many cases, not all cases. It was it's not gonna you know after after some time or after you start a serious project or something, may, maybe you'll have to pile on the the other tools that you you usually do, which is fine. I mean, why not? There's a lot of open source stuff out there. If I could have them all installed, I guess I probably would. So it, it's fine to install those. It is just a nice experience to get the the package and have it sort of be self-contained. So that's very cool. Check out Caligra. If you haven't looked at it ever, take a look at it. If you haven't looked at it in a while, take a look at it, because it really, really has come a, a very, very long way. So give that a look. And you might like the workflow better. Who knows? Okay, next time we will continue in the list. This time we're we're, we're not in Caligra. We've, we've finished with Caligra. So next, we have not finished with Caligra. Next is Caligra Plan. They snuck it in in a separate package, so we'll take a look at it next time. And then we'll be on to Cantor and Servicia, Digicam and Dolphin and all kinds of fun applications. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open get to be a super looper. <laughs>